I don't know if he ever explained to you why his hair's up like that, but that's why. <laughs> Michigan Wolverine fan, you know. He sees Ohio State and his hair goes boom. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, if you would please. I've been, uh, I've been in the ministry for a long time, had an opportunity to preach and teach for a long time, but for some reason I've never been able to hone my skills to, to keep it short, so I'm going to work hard on that this morning. I'm forced to do so. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, good to see you this morning. Congratulations to Bible Baptist Church on your 43rd anniversary. Wonderful achievement, and uh, God has uh, some great things in store for you. I'll talk more about that later, perhaps. But I just want to give you a quick challenge as a church uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. So I'm not going to preach a, or I'm not going to teach a expository lesson this morning. I'm going to instead give you a topical challenge. So 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast. In the faith, quit you like men, be strong. I want you to focus on the statement, stand fast in the faith. The Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing a letter to a local church whom he loves. And he understands the importance of the local church. And so is he, and, and the, the letter is not all good. I mean, it's all good, but it's not all uh, happy. He has to address some issues and some problems. But he comes to the end and he says, church, stand fast in the faith. Be on the lookout. Stand fast. Now, if you've read the New Testament, you would find out that he does that often. For example, and you don't need to turn there, but in Galatians, as he writes to the church of Galatia, he writes, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free. Apparently, the Apostle Paul knew that the tendency of man is to change. The tendency of man is to get swept away or to, to alter his course. And so he's always saying to the local church, stand fast. He says it to the Corinthians. He says it to the Galatians. When he writes to the Philippians, a church he founded in Philippi, stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith. It's obviously something that's very important to him. In the same letter, he ends by saying, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And then when he writes to the church of Thessalonica, he says, for now we, that is himself, and those who ministered the gospel with him, we live if you Stand fast. You're our crown, our hope, our joy. And so stand fast because when you stand fast, that gives us life. That gives us joy. So he said, we live if you stand fast in the Lord. What does it mean? What does this word fast mean? It means if, you, if something is fast, it is firmly fixed. It is stuck. It is un changing. Stand fast. Can I give you, I, I, I'm prone to do this for the sake of memory. Let me give you a, an acrostic for the word fast, F-A-S-T. Uh, fully assured, simply trusting. Stand 
fully assured, simply trusting. Know and have confidence in the word of God and what God has taught you and just trust. Don't change, don't waver, fully assured, simply trusting. Another acrostic for the word fast, faithful, active, strong, and true. Bible Baptist Church, I would challenge you to stand faithful, be active, stand active, strong, and true. Now, let me challenge you as to how you might do that. What, what is going to enable you to stand as a church? And another 10 years from now or another year from now, you'll be able to celebrate and be able to, to be unchanged and unmoved and still abounding in the work of the Lord. I'm going to share with you what I believe would be the key to your standing fast. So go with me to Psalm 119. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. It is all about the Word of God. It's every verse mentions the Word of God, sometimes using the word statute, sometimes precepts, sometimes commandments, sometimes words, but it's all about God's Word. Psalm 119, and I want you to look with me at verse 100. And 61. Actually, yeah, 161, and then we'll, we'll read through verse 162. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy word. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Church, I'm going to challenge you that if you will stand fast, it will be because you stand in awe. We need to be in awe. And first of all, we need to be in awe of his word. Stand in awe of his word. Look again at how the psalmist expresses it. I'm being persecuted without cause. So what's the purpose of persecution? It's, it's to move you, it's to change you, it's to alter your course. But he said, my heart standeth in awe of thy word. And if you read the entire chapter, he goes over and over again how the word benefits him and blesses him and, and bolsters him and strengthens him. So I challenge you, if we're going to stand fast, it begins by standing in awe of his word. Awe. What is awe? Well, there are lots of words that if you went into your computer and, and, and asked for synonyms for the word awe, you'd get words like this. Well, the dex actually, the dictionary definition of awe is an overwhelming feeling of reverence. If you're in awe of something, an overwhelming feeling of reverence, admiration, fear, produced by that which is grand, or sublime, or extremely powerful, or the like. You get the picture? The Word of God is like that. And synonyms for the word are wonder, veneration. When somebody said, that's awe-inspiring, what they're saying is, that's amazing. That's awesome. That's breathtaking. That's impressive. That's majestic. That's mind-blowing. 
That's remarkable. That's stunning. That's wonderful. That's jaw-dropping. That's phenomenal. That's unbelievable. All of those expressions would apply to the Word of God. I hope you know that. I hope that you understand that the church exists because of the Word. The written Word and the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word is everything. And you and I need to learn to look at it in awe. I'm afraid that I'm witnessing a generation that is losing its awe of the Word of God. And just being old-fashioned as I am, I think, and don't get mad at me, I think it's because we're transferring from holding it in our hands like this and turning its pages and reading it with our eyes to taking out a phone and looking at it on the phone or an iPad. Now, I'm not against that, but there's something special about the book, right? I understand the convenience, and I do it as well. I go to my computer, and I, and I do, when I go to the hospital, oftentimes if I don't have my Bible with me, I'll pull out my phone. I can pull up a verse, and I can read it and share a passage with somebody I'm visiting. I understand that. But there's something precious about the printed word and book. And I, I won't get into that, but I'm, I'm going to challenge you. Do you stand in awe of the word of God? I'll tell you the churches that are standing fast. They're the ones that make much of the book. It's the ones that have lost the book. It's the ones that have, have, have turned to discussing philosophy and politics and, and, uh, inter, and, and, and engaging in entertainment. Where the book is not central to the life of a church, the church is not going to stand. Stand in awe of the book. I plead with you, love God's word. You know, words are very powerful. The life and death are in the power of the tongue, and the word speaks. You notice again what the, what the psalmist said? What a picture he paints when he says in verse 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. And by the way, you've got good preaching here in this church. Do you know that I often in the morning, I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'm out till about 5.30 in the morning, and I will often tune in to uh, listen to preachers preach. And so while I'm delivering newspapers, I'm listening to preaching. And, uh, and, what, and your preacher, your, your pastor is one of those that I've been listening to. And I heard the story. I, I assume you were here and you heard the story about him uh, praying on his way home from being up, uh, I think it was up in Ajax area. And uh, he's on his way home and he's praying about the Lord meeting some needs because they're getting a house and a $50 bill hits the windshield. And he gets off and he goes back and he starts collecting all that money. You know, the, I, I'm thinking, I rejoice as one that findeth great spoil. Back in Bible times, there was a story about a, a city that was under siege and the people were dying. It was so bad in the city that they were actually boiling children and eating them. And four lepers decided, why are we going to sit here until we die? We got a chance open to us. The people out there that are the enemies that are causing all this grief, they probably don't have any use for lepers and probably don't care about us. Let's go out there and see if they'll be merciful. Let's go out there and, and, and maybe we'll live. When they get out there, the entire army is gone. And they find that they left everything, the food, the clothes, the money, everything is there. And they start grabbing it up. 
I rejoice as one that findeth great spoil. Does the word of God ever mean that to you? Do you ever feel about the word of God? I can't wait. There's something God's got for me in there. I rejoice as one that findeth great spoil. The Bible has the answer to every problem. It's the roadmap for direction. It is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Jeremiah said, thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they were to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. We need to stand in awe of God's word. If you're standing in awe of God's word, you'll stand fast. By the way, I already told you I like to do acrostics, so I'm going to take the word awe, A-W-E. When it comes to the word of God, stand in awe, stand in agreement without exception. There are a lot of things in the book that will speak to your heart and will be convicting and will demand that you change and will suggest to you that you're not walking in the right path. I say if you stand in awe of the Word of God, you will stand in agreement without exception. Secondly, if you're going to stand fast, I would suggest to you you need to stand in awe of His works. Go back to chapter 33 of Psalms. You will never stand in awe of the works of God unless you stand in awe of the Word of God. Do you know where we learn the works of God? Now, I'm not suggesting that God can't do works today. When I drive onto this property and I remember the history of Bible Baptist Church and I see what God has done, and I think about what is going on around the world because of this church, that's a work of God. There are folks in this room, you've been saved through the gospel preached in this church. You are a miracle of God. God has regenerated you. We can see the works of God, but do you know why God gave us his word? Not to tell us about great men and great women, he gave us his word to show us who he is and what he can do when men and women of any generation, of any age, of any walk of life, of any color of skin, of any economic stratus decide to believe him and live by faith. And so he wants you to see from cover to cover his wonderful works. Psalm chapter 33 and verse 1. I'm supposed to be teaching. I think I'm preaching. Anyway, I've never been able to sort those things out. For time's sake, go to verse 6. By the word of the Lord. Stand in awe of his word, by the way. Because it was by his word that the heavens were made. And all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants Stand in awe of him, for he spake, and it was done, and it stood fast. And we could begin to, to mention the works of God that are in this chapter or in all the chapters of Scripture, and we would surely stand in awe. When the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, the people who witnessed his life in Mark chapter 6 and verse 2 says they were astonished that such mighty works were wrought by his hand. 
I mean, he spoke and a man came forth from the grave. He, he rubbed clay and spittle on the eyes of a blind man and he made him to see. He cleansed the lepers. He healed the halt. He spoke and the wind ceased and the, the, the waves calmed. I mean, wonderful works. Do you stand in awe of his works? You know, a church that will stand fast is a church that's expectant, a church that knows what God can do. And they stand in awe of his works and they say, we're going to believe God because we know what he has done and that he changes not and he is no respecter of persons. We can expect great things. We can anticipate God doing great works. The church that stands fast is the church that has an expectant spirit because they know what God can do. You've read your Bible, right? You've read about the Red Sea. That's an amazing miracle. If you study that out and how, how deep the Red Sea was and how far across it was and, and the estimates and all of that, to, and for that many people to cross over on dry land, <laughs> wow, awe-inspiring, jaw-dropping the works of God. How about men going into a furnace of fire? Heated seven times hotter than it was water accustomed to be heated. And walking out without the smell of smoke upon them, without any singeing of hair, and all the ropes that they were tied up with are gone, but they're okay. Their clothes are fine, their hair is fine, their bodies are fine. That's the wonderful works of God. Stand in awe. We've lost our awe of God. We live in a world where there's some pretty amazing things that are going on in technology. Nothing compared to God. And all of that can be wiped out in a heartbeat and one day will be by the God I serve and the God you serve. You know what you will know help Bible Baptist Church to stand fast? Stand in awe of God's word. That means in agreement without exception. Stand in awe of his works. That means... Stand in absolute wonder every day. A-W-E, stand in absolute wonder every day. Don't let it become commonplace to you. Don't stop believing. Keep reading. Keep listening. Keep understanding what God can do, and it'll encourage you as to what God will do in your future. Stand fast by standing in awe of his word, standing in awe of his works. And I would say thirdly, you will stand fast when you stand in awe of his wrath. Now, I'm using the word wrath for the sake of my outline. I don't want you to misunderstand that. The God of the Bible is a God of wrath, but he's also a God of mercy. And when he introduces himself to people who want to know him, he introduces himself as a God of love, a God of long-suffering, a God of mercy, a God who offers forgiveness, though he is a God of wrath, and he will not at all acquit the wicked. So we need, if we're going to stand fast and not go astray and sin, we need to stand in awe of his wrath. All you got to do, if you've read the book, if you're standing in awe of his word and his works, what does his word tell you one of his works was? Several people became lepers by the wrath of God, because of a covetous heart, because of a critical spirit, because of a lying tongue, Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead instantly. 
lying in the presence of the Holy Spirit, lying to the Holy Spirit. We need to stand in awe. Sin is a penalty. I didn't give you a scripture, did I? Psalm chapter 4. Psalm chapter number 4. I'll just read the one verse. Verse 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Stand in awe and sin not. You know of the wrath of God. And maybe this morning you're visiting here and you're a guest and maybe you've never understood the gospel. The gospel is called good news and it's because the good news is that the wrath of God on sin has been appeased at Calvary. God sent his own son who went and took the sins of mankind and God poured out his wrath upon my sin and the sins of man on his son. His son bore our penalty on the cross so that we could be set free, stand in awe of God's wrath. If you want to stand in awe of God's wrath, just visit Calvary. And at Calvary, you understand how wicked sin is because the best, purest, kindest, sweetest, most gracious human being ever to walk on planet earth is being beaten and spit upon and, and they're crying out, crucify him, crucify him. They're angry. They, that's what sin does. And if you ever want, if you visit Calvary and only see how awful sin is, you'll see how awful God's wrath against sin is when he takes his own beloved son, his only begotten son, and he's willing to crush him. He's willing to punish him for our sin. He knows there's only one way for us to be forgiven, and that is death. And so he's willing to inflict upon us. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Sin can't be just swept under the rug by God. When you go to Calvary, you understand there's a price to be paid. So church, I challenge you, stand in awe of God's wrath. And that means stand in awe, stand of, in avoidance of wrong enthusiastically. Stand in avoidance of wrong enthusiastically or avoid wrong enthusiastically. You, you stand in awe of the wrath of God, you'll avoid sin, you'll avoid the wrong thing with the energy, with enthusiasm. Why? Because you know the wrath of God. But more importantly, I want you to know the love of God. So church, will you stand fast? Will you stand firm, fixed, unchanged, unmoved? I believe you will if you're standing in awe of God's word, agreeing without exception. If you're standing in awe of his works, in absolute wonder every day, and if you're standing in awe of his wrath, avoiding wrong, enthusiastically. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the stand that they've taken. And here we are, 43 years later, rejoicing in what you can do. And I pray that you will use these words in this challenge to strengthen us for the days ahead. We may give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.